Hey everybody, I hope you're having a great day. Welcome to episode three of the One Day Closer podcast and I am Jay Fassbender, your host. And I just want to thank everybody for the continued support. And it's just deeply heartwarming that sharing my story of faith is touching so many lives. And, and that's kind of how we uh, want it to be. And, and to know we're making that just, uh, it really, really touches me. So thank you so much for that. A couple of uh, small announcements before we get into it. I will start adding some pictures and videos on the Facebook page, the One Day Closer Podcast Facebook page. What that'll be is pictures and videos that will tie into that episode. I did episode one and two already, so we'll go ahead and do some pictures from back then and just keep moving forward. So with that being said, we finished up where I was transferred to uh, UAB which was in a whole nother city, about four hours north of where I was living. If you remember, the hospital didn't even want to uh, take me up there, but luckily with some good friends, that happened. Never know who's going to be our angels in life. So with that being said, it's April 9th. We're waking up to a new beginning. All right, so a new beginning. It's our first full day at UAB. It's April the 9th of 2021. We were just transferred up here. We have so much hope and so much promise that we may finally find some answers. I didn't even really sleep the night before. Because, I mean, wow, right? So much going on. We started the day, uh, me and Christy, and just... Very optimistic, said a prayer that God's will be done. You know, I know a lot of times we're tempted to just straight up ask for healing. You know, God heal me or God fix this or God give me this. But actually my prayer was that God's will be done. And I didn't know what that will was. Lord knows that I didn't know much of anything at that point. I definitely didn't see any reason or purpose in it, but that was our prayer, that God's will be done with this, and let's find out the answers. You know, are we going to be paralyzed for the rest of our life, or are we going to have some form of a life other than a quadriplegic? From there, uh, the doctor comes in, the attending doctor, and he's got his little team of residents all the way down to med students. I always called it the herd. If you've ever been to a teaching hospital, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, you know, they come in and the herd's just behind them. And a doctor comes in with all kind of attitude. He, uh, he was not happy. And, and this is the same doctor that was reluctantly accepted me the day before that a uh, physician down in Mobile had to go a couple of rounds with to even get us taken up there. So we knew we weren't going to be his favorite patient. But at the same time, we also knew that we really needed to be there. And I did feel it was a miracle. Uh, just to get us up there. So he comes in, and uh, he, he literally starts with uh, not a good morning, not a how you're doing, not how you're feeling. Uh, almost the first words come out after he introduced himself was, is that doctor down there a friend of yours? And I said, actually, he is. He says, well, he does not take no for an answer, and I don't believe you need to be up here. So with that, 
uh, my heart kind of just sunk. And uh, I said, well, what a great start. I'm thinking in my mind, what a great start to the day, right? Here's a neurologist at the hospital we're so happy to be at, and he doesn't want me here. So here's where it gets funny, though, because he does his job, and he starts questioning, and <laughs> with those answers he's getting directly from us, gets him a little more interested, and he starts more questions, and then he starts physically examining me. And at this point, things were getting pretty rough, so... Uh, not a lot of use of the legs and the arms. Definitely no strength in both of them, uh, arms and both legs. Also, reflexes, because of the nerve damage. You know how doctors love to check your reflexes? Well, I basically had uh, little to no reflexes in all four extremities. So I call it the oh shit moment when the doctor, he literally looks up at me and uh he realized that, that something is going on and, and that things weren't making sense and that there had to be something else bigger than what he was expecting based upon what he was told. And then for, for me, this was the big difference that I had been waiting to hear, that I'd been waiting to hear this whole time. And uh, he started out something very familiar, but the ending was so much better and he told me he said I don't know what's going on but I'm going to figure it out and up to that point that was that was not what we were hearing uh, all we heard was a lot of we don't know what's going on and hopefully we can figure it out but uh, this doctor seemed to be a lot more a lot more uh, sure that he could figure it out. And of course, eh, I can't tell you how relieved I was to hear somebody saying something even close to that. Throughout my time at UAB, no matter what the discipline was, and as, as you know, the case progressed, and we'll cover that, but that seemed to be the theme, that the doctors there, they will figure it out. They, they will be the first ones to tell you, we don't know, but we're going to keep working and we're going to figure it out. And they really, really do up there. With that, again, this is on a Friday, and the doctor says, you know, we're going to go ahead, and he lists a course of action for testing because they want to test me kind of, I would, I would say, from square one, right? The doctors up there basically said, okay, we're going to act like we know nothing. We're going to act like we don't have your test results and your paperwork from your other hospitals and doctors, we're going to start, and boy, did they do it. So starting on that Friday through that whole weekend, just test, 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 test. I really felt like something was, was being accomplished for once. It was just a barrage. And so some of the highlights is uh, MRI from head to toe. A CT from head to toe, uh, blood draws every day to send off to the lab. Uh, some of my blood they even sent off to the Mayo Clinic. They were checking for various types of heavy metal poisonings and all that their system couldn't detect. Whew, what do you say? I think uh, the, the personal record during that weekend was 
they drew 16 tubes of blood in one day. You know, usually it's, hey, two or three here, two or three there. And so, you know, six or eight for the day. But they got me for 16 tubes on one day. And at that point, I didn't even didn't even mind. Take all the blood you need if we can get some answers. So that's kind of how that weekend was playing out. One of the other things that was important was if you remember from episode one, uh, we were unable to get a lumbar puncture to verify my spinal fluid was high in protein, which is one of the telltale signs of a demyelinating disease or a way to confirm it, along with the conduction study. So, of course, they want to get the lumbar puncture. And the last time this was tried on me, it was done with uh, interventional radiology and a doctor had me on a table with the x-ray machine, stuck me three separate times, and was able to get, was not able to get any spinal fluid. So as you can imagine, I'm not exactly sitting here with a bunch of uh, thrill and hope knowing I get to get stuck again. It's where it got interesting, though, because uh, unlike the first one where I went to a hospital and went into the interventional radiology lab, this was a case of a doctor and a nurse practitioner and a nurse. And they showed up at my room with their, uh, I call it the old the traveling suitcase, the traveling trunk, but they had all their equipment. And they're part of a team, and I could never tell you what that team's called, but I felt it was pretty awesome. It was kind of a new exposure for us, is uh, they would go do lumbar punctures like that. And also, this is the same team that put in my uh, VASCATH, which would be the access we would use for the plasma treatment. And again, if you remember back uh, in the other episodes, I talked about the plasma treatment, and it almost killed me with the uh, clot in my lung. So... The doctors have decided to do another round, so between getting stuck in the back again, getting another VASCAF to start a plasma exchange treatment was not the highlight of my day in a sense of what it would be, but it was very much, I knew it was necessary and, and we want the answers. So with that being said, they actually got the lumbar puncture. It took them two sticks. Uh, So for those keeping track at home, the score would be five lumbar punctures to get this fluid. And as thrilled as I was when they said they were finally getting fluid, just as quick, it actually stopped. Fluid uh, stopped coming out. And they kept working with it and moving the needle around a little bit. And ultimately, they got just enough to complete the test. So a lot of excitement there. And then this time, instead of putting the VASCATH in my uh, neck, they did it in the groin, which I will say was, was better than getting it in the neck. Again, they did this at bedside in the room. And uh, we would set up for a Plex starting that weekend. So, you know, after four relapses, which got us to this point, Finally, a successful lumbar puncture, all the MRIs, all the CTs, all the ultrasounds, dozens of tubes of blood drawn. Here we are. Within days, this hospital accomplished more 
as far as testing than previous hospital I was at in over a month. So a lot's going on, a lot to be taken in, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually. So uh, with that, the plasma exchange is something they break into five treatments. So it's one treatment every other day with a total of five. So that weekend we start on our plasma exchange. It's going good, no complications. Uh, unlike the last time, when it was all said and done, we had a blood clot in the lungs. Well, I will say this one didn't almost kill me, but it did give me a <laughs> DVT, deep vein thrombosis, or in essence a clot, my lower extremity and my leg, right leg. And that also put me on blood thinners for life because you can't keep popping these clots, they say, and not take blood thinners. Of course, my whole argument was, Oddly enough, I only get clots when y'all do this particular procedure to me. But, hey, that's an argument for another day. So we're doing Plex. We're making progress. Uh, that following on that Sunday when they started Plex, they actually came in later on in the day and started physical therapy for me. And uh, bought those two guys. Whew. Actually, one of them I'm still friends with this day. And the other one moved away, so I didn't. Didn't get to really become friends with him, but, oh, boy, good old Will. And uh, these two guys come and, and literally, you know, sit me up and start working me out, working my legs, working my arms, just to keep things moving. And actually stood me up on side to bed, which was, was pretty thrilling. I think I took a, a whole five steps with their uh, walker and their equipment and them holding me up, but we'll take it as it goes. So we started PT. We had Plex. And again, as you can imagine, this is just within days, right? This is the first weekend, and things are just rolling so fast. So one of the cool things that came out of that PT visit that day, besides for how quick they showed up and started, <laughs> started working on me, is that I learned about the Spain Rehabilitation Hospital that's located there at UAB. Turns out it's, it's one of the best ones in the country. And I had never known about it. There's, there's a real good one in Atlanta. And at this point, uh, me and Christy were already talking about what it would take to get there. And did we need to start looking into that? But once we found out about Spain and learned the capabilities they had right there at UAB, we were very happy because obviously that would put us uh, closer to home, which home was still in South Alabama at that point. But uh, also, we would have the quality care that we're looking for. Or I, you know, I would even say outstanding care because I, I wanted to, to, to get the best I could, could track down. One of the cool other things we learned about, about that same time that week, we learned about a place called the Lakeshore Foundation. Some of y'all might be familiar with that. I had never heard of it before in my life. Come to find out, it's located in Birmingham, Alabama, and it is a facility. I guess their claim to fame is that this is where the United States Paralympic athletes train. There's only two facilities like that in the country that they train at, and this is one of them. So really cool, but the, the cool thing on top of that was that your doctor can, in essence, apply for you to go there kind of like writing a prescription, a board will review if you're eligible, 
and they'll let you go. So think of it as a YMCA or a, or a Planet Fitness type concept in a sense of it's for people with neuro uh, diseases and neuromuscular diseases and deficits. Thrilled to know that we had that. So, so things were, a picture was being painted where we have the resources we need at this hospital and in this area. So the wheels were already turning. And uh, I think at this point, probably that, that Monday, maybe by Tuesday, Wednesday, but right there early, my wife, she said, uh, hey, you know, we could just go ahead and move up here, and that way you'll be close for treatment, and we'll be able to get you some good care. And at the time, trust me, I was not, A, I had not even thought about that, but B, I was, I was not too keen to the idea. I think I gave her a funny look, you know, just kind of rolled with it. We went from there. With that, as that week's going on, and we're getting our plasma exchanged, and Christy's talking about moving. So after that, she mentions it again. Probably the next day we talk a little bit more about it. And she starts looking for jobs in the area. And of course, as y'all know, my wife's a nurse practitioner. A very good one at that. So she uh, has uh, some skills that people want. So she starts applying, including a job there at UAB. She gets a call, gets an interview. And, of course, the person calling her about the interview thought she was hours away down in South Alabama. So she's like, hey, you know, can you come in a couple of days or whatever? And Christy tells her, shoot, I'm in your hospital right now. You know, we're up on the eighth floor. I can, I can meet you anywhere here shortly. And actually the lady was nice and came and, and got Christy from the room. I was getting my plasma treatment. She seemed very sweet and, and uh, was nice to do that. Christy went for the interview, and uh, long story short, they gave her the job on the spot or offered her the job on the spot. So when she gets back up to the room, she's very happy, has a lot of news to share. You know, sometimes things happen in our life and you just kind of have to shake your head, and, and we don't fully understand why they happen, when they happen. And that combination, it's like the old saying, when it's in God's time, nothing can stop it, right? And when it's not in God's time, nothing can make it happen. So here she applies for a job at one of the largest hospitals in the country and literally gets an interview and hired within one day. We took that as a sign from God. And we started making moves to put our house up for sale And because we were just all in. We're all in. Life was so uprooted that Drastic times call for drastic measures, and that's exactly where we were. With that, continue to plex. Christie's done got a job up there. Contacted a realtor. Want to get our house up for sale. Of course, the house is still full of furniture, right? Because we just kind of ran out the door, so to speak, when I had my fall on the 8th. Plasma treatments, just like they did before, were helping things improve. And I was looking back through these pictures and videos because I am going to start posting some of these things. And I found a video, and it was on that Thursday, so I believe that'd be like Thursday, April 14th. And I was so excited because my fingers were moving. On the left hand, several of the fingers were moving. And on the right hand, I was so excited because you couldn't see it on the video, but I remember saying that 
my pinky was moving maybe almost a quarter inch at the tip. And it's uh, little little victories like that that you learn how to celebrate. So getting optimistic, right? So testing's going on, treatment's going on, physical therapy started. Just a barrage. It's just a blur. Everything's coming back. We still don't have any answers, but things are going. With that, we finish out our first week there. So going into the weekend, we're optimistic that some answers are on the horizon. And then we get just what the soul needed, which was a visit from my brothers, Sean and Huey, that weekend. Sean, he was living in Wisconsin at the time, my brother Huey living in Atlanta. Sean was down in the Atlanta area, and he surprised me and came over when I thought he was driving back up north. And Huey came over uh, that following afternoon. And it was just what I needed, right, because family is the best. And throughout this, I didn't mention it too much earlier, but I was fortunate enough, uh, my mother, who doesn't drive, but some family was able to bring her uh, bring her to visit me, and I was always so uplifting. Uh, doesn't matter how old we are, right? We all need our moms. And even though I couldn't reach up and give her a hug. It was, uh, it was still good to have her hugs and kisses. It just let me know everything was going to be all right. And it's amazing. It doesn't matter how old we are. Fortunate enough, this weekend, uh, we're talking about to have uh, my brothers come. And uh, <laughs> anybody that knows our family uh, knows uh, we can be a little, little fun, sometimes mischievous, but it's always going to be a good time. So I, uh, I had them help with my music therapy, and that's something I'll talk a little bit about that I didn't expect. This hospital has a music therapy program, and what that is in a nutshell, studies have shown that people with neuro diseases respond to therapy or like a physical therapy, but with the use of music to help the brain send a stronger signal. So, for example, gentleman shows up at my room, real nice young man, and he has a like a maraca, but it's it's shaped in a different way, and he's able to set it in my hand. He holds my hand closed. Hey, tells me, you know, pick a <laughs> pick a song that you like, and he pulls some music up on his phone and starts. And in essence, what he has there is the timing of the music. So you know, if we say like you know the the, the timing is like one, two, three, four. So. It would be kind of like uh, he would take my arm. Now, again, he's, he has my arm. He has my hand. I have no control over it. Uh, but it, he would tell me to think as he's moving the arm with the beat for me to concentrate on the beat, but also to send that signal from my brain to my, to my arms and my hands. So as, you know, he's going like, you know, up, down, up, down with bending my arm. I am sitting there concentrating, trying to do it, trying to, trying to move. Obviously, I wasn't able to. But the science of music therapy has shown, and I forget the exact percentage, but he had the information. But in essence, they show a greater improvement in people with neuromuscular diseases and neurodiseases and illnesses 
the way the body responds with the music added into the therapy. So, of course, me loving music, loving to play it, loving to listen to it, this was right up my alley. I'll have to say this. So my brothers, when I'm explaining to them the music therapy and, and what the guy did, and uh, the music therapist had left a couple of things in the room so I could work on my own with my wife. So my brothers took turns with the maraca in my hand and, and working my arms. And uh, that's its own comical thing. But, uh, but it was wonderful. Wonderful to have family there, but wonderful to have the help. So I do have to uh, share a story. Y'all know it can't all be serious. So there's got to be some, some humor in it. Once my brothers were there, I was able to convince, or I guess they were able to convince my wife to, to get out of that room and go get some fresh air, and they were going to take her out to dinner. I believe dinner that night was going to consist of Taco Mama. Again, Mexican and margaritas. I'm seeing a theme here. And there was a Taco Mama, no, I don't know, two, three, four blocks from the hospital that, uh, in, the, in the medical district right there. And she's like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, we'll walk that way. So anybody knows my wife, she, she can be directionally challenged. So they leave the room. They're going to go, hey, I'm relaxed, listening to some music. She put my earbuds in before she left. They're gone, you know, an hour, two hours. Anyway, they come back, and they are just laughing as I'll get out. And it seems that in all her directionally challenged information, when they left the hospital, heading towards Taco Mama. She looked at the map wrong, and they walked four blocks in the wrong direction until they realized this is not where we need to be going. So now those four blocks back to the hospital, four blocks in the other direction, so eight blocks to get to the, to the restaurant. The upside is it gave Christy a well-needed chance to relax and just get out of our room. As I've said before, and, and it never changed the whole time, she stayed every day with me and every night. The one night that I threw the PE, I had asked her to go home and rest. And the only time she even missed was later on uh, in the story here, she had to go home to help get things for the house and, and finish up with her job down in Mobile. And so she had her mom come stay because she refused to leave me by myself. I actually thank God for her mom coming to stay because uh, Linda was a tremendous help. As you, can, as you can imagine, that's all going down. It's continuing. And uh, I guess it was about that time. And I, know, I probably said this at the other physical therapy hospital, but if you can, you can kind of picture not being able to move anything, not having the strength to move, and so, you know, it's kind of hard in physical therapy and occupational therapy to get much done. Uh, mostly a case of therapists working and moving my extremities to, to try to keep that going. And I would try, and I'd, I would tell them, I said, I can't promise the results, but I can promise effort every time. And that was my goal. I had decided early in this that I'm not a quitter and that I would give 100% every day because that was the only way I was going to get better. And also, something uh, I haven't probably explained up to this point, people probably say, well, why is the podcast called One Day Closer? 
So uh, One Day Closer is something that I developed. I don't know if you want to call it a rallying cry as much as it started out as an answer. So my mother, when I first started getting sick, if you remember, I kind of kind of hid, hid it from her. But ultimately, she would ask, you know, hey, what's going on? You know, what, what do you have? What's causing this? And, and remember, we have, even up to this point in early April or mid-April, we don't have any answers. I would tell her, I said, I don't know what's going on, but I know I'm one day closer to finding out. And then, of course, as once we found out, it would be, hey, how much longer till you're better or will you get better? And I say, well, I don't know, but I'm one day closer to finding out. So one day closer became uh, our rallying cry each day because we didn't know what the future held, but we knew we were getting one day closer to it with each day. And that was a good thing. So... Monday, April 19th, one of the best days and probably one of the worst days I ever hoped for. But uh, the doctors came in, told me they had a diagnosis, right? We've been getting tests, a barrage of tests for what, the previous seven or eight, nine days. And they finally come to a conclusion if you remember, we started out with a diagnosis of GBS that was then changed to a diagnosis of CIDP. Now, what they say, the third time's a charm. So the third diagnosis was something called multifocal motor neuropathy, or MMN. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we're at. And that is the disease they diagnosed me with. And here, all these years later, is still a diagnosis we work with. Now, I had never heard of that one. Similar to the CIDP, didn't even know such a disease exists. And one of the big distinguishing features between my disease and the CIDP, because again, multifocal motor neuropathy, the diagnosis I have now, is also chronic. Uh, I will have it the rest of my life. You know, that's, that's nothing that, that, that you want to hear, and, and I had already had that shock, but this kind of drove it home now, that I will have this the rest of my life. And at the time when they gave me the diagnosis, they couldn't tell me if I would ever walk again or function again, but hey, at least we knew what we had. So now the enemy has a name, and that name is multifocal motor neuropathy. And by golly, it's time to fight. So they start me back on some IVIG, which is a medicine I had uh, several times before with some success. And that is when we really, really started getting a strong relationship with the chief resident on the uh, neuro team that was taking care of me, a doctor by the name of Ronaldo Oliveira. And I don't know where he is these days, but I would tell him thank you again, or obrigado. And uh, his, uh, his dedication to finding not only what was going on, but to talk with us and keep us in the loop, to ask the questions and follow up on the leads. He was brilliant. And uh, 
even though he was only the chief resident there at UB, he was a former physician in his home country of Brazil. And when he came to America, he had to go back through medical school. So if you ever feel like an underachiever, because you never went to medical school, uh, feel better, though, because he did it twice. And he was an amazing man and a, a fabulous physician. And I have no doubt wherever he's at that his patients are in excellent, excellent care. And uh, one of the things that uh, at this time, once we got the diagnosis and we started on IVIG, is we learned, thank God, there is no more need for plasma exchange. I, uh, I did not enjoy those treatments. They wasn't painful as much as they were mentally taxing and exhausting on the body. Like I said, pain was minimal at best. But it, that treatment tried to kill me two times, and I was about over it. So uh, to say how happy I was when I was told I would never have to have that treatment again was a good thing. Um, oddly enough, not long after that, within a couple of weeks, when um, my current neuromuscular specialist jumped in uh, full bore, as I found out that the plasma exchange treatments that they were doing were actually detrimental to my case, even though I was getting short-term gains, it was actually doing more harm than good. And again, we could have never known that, but we know it now, and we're stopped. Uh, things are going good, right? We've been up there, you know, what, week and a half. We have a diagnosis. We have started treatment. And like I said, just thank God things were moving. So um, I get a visit because during this time, I know I had talked about Spain rehab. And uh, during this time, we actually officially applied to go to Spain because, yeah, you know, they don't just accept everybody. So I got a visit from a physician, and uh, this, this doctor was awesome. Uh, if you can imagine somebody looking like Albert Einstein except wearing a, a white, white doctor's coat, he comes in, said he had been a neurologist at UAB for 35 years. I think he's probably seen a few things. And, of course, he examines me, and he scratches his head, and he examines me again, and he kind of stands back. He tells me, Mr. Fassbender, I've never seen a case like this in my life. And again, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, that's been a theme through all of this, except now a 35-year neurologist at a teaching and research hospital tells me that. So that one sunk a little deeper. And he, uh, he said that, that, you know, this was probably literally like a one in a million case. Just to put it in perspective, uh, Guillain-Barre or GBS, you know, six cases per 100,000. Uh, multifocal neuropathy, you know. 0.2 per 100,000, and in my case, he said, easily one in a million. It was so odd. My case was so odd that after this physician examined me, 
Of course, I have to say, I'll be honest, when he was saying how rare and he had never seen it and he just couldn't believe the condition I was in, at least I felt good about the fact that, hey, I should get accepted into Spain. So it's amazing. You can kind of get bad news and good news all at the same time. So uh, with that, this physician, he tells me, he says, you know, there, there were findings on me the way my body was behaving and the fasciculations that I was having. And he asked if uh, I would give my permission for him to bring his medical students and his residents to examine me. And uh, the interesting part about that was the next day when they showed up, and he had like his uh, chief, his chief resident, and one other uh, soon-to-be physician with him. And he whisked off my covers, and so I'm laying there. He examines me to make sure it's still like yesterday. And he points out to them as they're examining me. So they start examining me one at a time. And I kid you not, this man, 35-year neurologist, looks at these two medical students, these residents, and he tells them, make sure you look at this good because you'll never see this again in the rest of your career probably. Again, you know, it's like positive and negative all at once. So with that, I hope this never comes true, but he really said that, that my condition was so rare and unknown, he said he would not be surprised one day if this was called Fassbender's disease. And I could do about without that, but hey, you know, you try to be a success in life, why not? Just a terrible neuromuscular disorder with your name on it, huh? Isn't that what we all want? Needless to say, I wasn't shocked. It just seemed the way things have been going. Uh, this physician, um, Dr. Mark was his name, and he is working on getting us into Spain. So I believe that was on a Tuesday, April the 20th, which is also my daughter uh, Amber's birthday. So a lot going on that day in my mind. During this time, uh, those couple of weeks in the neuro ICU, you know, we were getting visits, obviously, from, from some of my family and then my wife's family. Uh, has few members live in the Birmingham area. Her uncle Steve and her aunt Beverly uh, came by to visit. And her uncle Steve is a a pastor minister. Along with our visits, or their visits with me, which by the way, Aunt Beverly makes unbelievable meatloaf and all the sides. But I digress because it was so good to get a home cooked meal during that time. With that being said, something, and I can promise you, it may it may sound. Unbelievable, but it, it is actually what happened, and, and I believe something special happened. But after one of their visits that week, Steve asked if he could pray for me, and of course I said yes, because I, again, I believe in the power of prayer. So Steve stood up at my right shoulder, placed his hand on it. My wife, Christy, was at my left, and she had her hand on my shoulder. Beverly was standing uh, to my right, and she was had a hand touching my ankle. I, like I said, God is my witness. So when Steve started praying, literally, almost instantly, within probably not even two seconds, three seconds, I felt, starting at that right shoulder where he had his hand on my shoulder, 
a warmth in, inside my body, and, and it's hard to describe, so just bear with me on this. But if you could almost picture like a warm liquid or something, you know, if our bodies are just a vessel, and this warmth just started flowing from that shoulder, and a little bit went up into my neck and my head, rest across my body, and it just slowly, and this is slowly as he's praying, and, and you know, so this is going on for, for minutes. But that feeling, literally that warmth, went all the way down from my head and all the way down to my toes. And I felt so at peace. And it just it felt like something happened. And, of course, I didn't say anything then because I, I honestly didn't even... I was still trying to process it. I was, I was I'm not going to say shocked, but it, it was, I didn't expect it. They, uh, you know, they say their goodbyes and they leave. I told my wife then, I said, you know, this is going to sound crazy, but when your Uncle Steve was, was praying, I said I had the most amazing warming feeling come over my body from head to toe. And I said, so much peace. And, and at this point, you know, Hey, we just kind of, it is what it is as far as, you know, we, we don't know where this is all going, but, but I, something happened. Something happened that day and something happened with that prayer. We're still in the neuro ICU unit and we're getting the approval to go to the Spain Rehabilitation Hospital. And all of these things are very, very big goals. So again, I was looking back through some old videos on, also on the 20th, there is a video that I, I was looking back on that showed me gaining some strength. The PT at that point was able to bring a device, and again, you got to love the resources this hospital has. But they brought, in essence, uh, a big old machine, and, and I call it like a squat machine, and they could put you on and strap you in. And it could be from where you're basically laying completely flat to almost or almost standing up. And they could control how much weight they would put on your legs as they were trying to get you to strengthen them. I was able, it was just a few, but I was able to get a couple of uh, squat-type things in. Of course, my gosh, I don't even think I was at a 15-degree angle. And I remember in my mind, like, hey, 15-degree angle, that's like no weight on my legs. This is not bad. And I, like I said, I almost couldn't do it. And But it was putting things in perspective because we were making progress. The treatments up to that point uh, seem to be working. So we're continuing with that. Uh, on that Wednesday, Dr. Mark returned from Spain and, and told me that they would definitely go ahead and get me moved over. They were just waiting on a bed spot to open up. And that was wonderful, wonderful news because at this point, that was so much of what we were trying to accomplish was to the next step was going to be getting into a proper rehabilitation facility. And now we just get the great news that, yes, you will be going here to Spain. So we were excited. So Thursday, April 22nd, is when I was able to get moved out of neuro unit and the main hospital over to Spain Rehabilitation Hospital. So excited for the future. So excited for the opportunity to get better. So that's how we wrap up getting out of the neuro unit and heading over to Spain and some exciting, exciting times 
we finally have a diagnosis, and I can't tell you how great that was to hear in the sense of at least we know what we were battling. So with that being said, again, I want to thank everybody for listening. I know this one went a little bit longer, and, and I appreciate everybody's indulgence to, to stay those few extra minutes and just so much to look forward to. I just wanted to remind everybody that I will be posting some pics and videos on the Facebook page, the One Day Closer podcast with Jay Fassbender. I have a Facebook page under that name. And just remember, no matter what you're going through, have faith, trust in God, and God will provide a way. He will get you through it. Remember, live your spirit. Mm -hmm.